All right, welcome everyone again to Amplify What You Love. I have a wonderful guest for you all today. I have with me Mark Turk, the director and founder of Beat for Beat, a Austin nonprofit that has been in operation for many years. I've had the privilege and pleasure of getting to actually work with them as a teacher and instructor in public schools here in Austin, as well as with the organization themselves and they have been impacting the lives of musicians and students here in the Austin area and creating a really beautiful model for how we can accomplish many things at one time, feed two birds with one scone, and serve musicians <laughs> and also serve students getting mu access to music and the arts education. So Mark, welcome. Hello, Kaylee, great to be here. You're a really special friend, mentor, and um, like, employer in my life when i think back on the best jobs i've ever had working with beat for beat is absolutely has been is one and and is one of the most memorable experiences i've ever had working for an organization so i'm super happy to have you on the yeah. show to get to share what you do with my audience i think it's really unique it's really needed and i'm really just looking forward to having a conversation with you yeah and i appreciate you saying that i mean that part of um you know, being a non a, a nonprofit and working with people is that every person you you reach out to, and, and we've we've connected in different ways. And I want you to have a good experience uh, in whichever way you're working with us. So yeah, appreciate you've that. won. You've you've been very <laughs> successful in that. And you know, I was thinking in preparation for how to get into this interview and how mm -hmm. to talk about all the amazing work that Beat for Beat does. Um, but I thought we could just lay some foundational yeah. stuff. So why does music education matter? Why should people care about prioritizing, emphasizing, investing in music education in the public school? What, what are some of the reasons why it's so important? Why does it matter to you? Uh, the, the biggest reason that I think, you know, when I, when I talk to anybody, especially you know, being a, a musician, we are around like-minded people. But if I'm talking to anybody, I think um, the most important thing about arts as education is it teaches you to be creative, right? We, we learn math, we learn science, we learn reading. We have these basic fundamentals um, that they teach in school. But um, when these kids grow up and become, um, you know, uh, parts of the community that are growing the community and progressing us, we need that creative type. I mean, if you think about uh, the first car was the Model T, you know? And, and that was the first breakthrough. It was like, wow, we're not in horse and buggies, now we're in cars. Fast forward a, a hundred years later, you have this Lamborghini that is literally a piece of art. and and you know, now our cars are like smart cars. They drive for us even. All that happens with the creative mind, you know? So teaching kids uh, to be creative uh, and use that part of their brain is just, it's vital. It's vital to our existence. There's like this thought that maybe the creativity in the arts is like separate from STEM. And, yeah. and yet what the example you gave, which is so brilliant, is how integrated it is to the great scientists, the great inventors of our time is this create this creative muscle, this creative power. And so to set our students up and our young, the young generation with 
all the tools and facility and space and container to be able to express themselves actually ends up leading our society to more innovation and more growth and more creativity in a way that's going to impact everyone is what I'm hearing. True, true. And beauty, beauty in the world. I mean, what would our cities look like if every house was just a big square, you know, we wouldn't, we wouldn't want to go there. You think about, uh, like, why do we go to Europe? You know, thousands of years of beautiful art being made and we'd go there to the, see it, to the museums, to, to look at the architecture, the, the giant churches, the structures. I mean, that's, that's been a part of our civilization and uh, our identity. Yeah. And I want to ask you to share with the audience the, the mission and, and vision for Beat for Beat. Um, just so that they can kind of understand what it is that, 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 that you do in Austin, Texas, and for the students of Austin. Yeah, yeah. What we do is, um, as you mentioned earlier, it is a double impact model. We're helping uh, two different areas. Here in Austin, it's a big uh, music culture. Um, musicians travel here from everywhere in the world uh, to create their art. Um, but to do that, uh, you got to make money. <laughs> to live, you have to have money. So we find that like grabbing these uh, artists who are hungry and on the rise and giving them um, income by teaching young students is just a, a beautiful thing. I mean, we're, you're, you're helping yourself out. You make money. You're using your talents on a daily basis. You're not... Uh, you know, driving a car, you're teaching music. And, um, and then on the other side, we have the kids. I mean, we know that uh, music and art funding is always uh, embattled. You know, we're always striving for that. So what we get to do is come in in the after school area, uh, bring in these uh, instructors, our local musicians, and have them share their talents um, with these kids, the kids who really want that extra music that they're not getting. Yeah. And so what do we got? We got guitar, singing, there's recorder still, right? We, yeah, yeah, we do everything. Beats. Uh, yeah, we have our, we, we, we cover the pop music gambit of guitar, keyboards, drums, singing, um, we have a, a Beats program, which is a di digital audio production. Which is how class. I met. Formerly Beyond the Grade. So Beat for Beat went through a rebrand. You were Beyond the Grade before. And when I first met you, uh, you were launching the electronic music beat making program offering. Right. So our philosophy is, has always been go to the kids where they are in the schools and, and listen to them. What do they want to learn? So um, when I first started this ten years ago, uh, there was a there was kind of a rock grunge revival, and you know I'm teaching these kids um, Nirvana and and Foo Fighters and stuff. It's great, uh, perfect for my age. Um, but then a couple of years later, they weren't really into that anymore. They're on their phones. And uh, so, you know, I'm just asking them, what are you doing there on your phone? You know, um, 
a different philosophy from regular uh, school teachers who might say, hey, get off your phone. But we're in the after school area. So it's like, what are you doing? And uh, they're looking up music. They're 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 wanting to learn. So it's like, let's do that with these guys. Let's uh, let's bring in laptops and let's let's let them explore creating uh, music that they love. Um, the digital world is, you know, really takes the, the rails off of music. You're not just limited to uh, one instrument. You have multiple instruments and those instruments have multiple sounds and you could just do so much. So it really unlocks the creativity. So that's when we met. I was looking for somebody who could uh, come in and pilot that program, which you did wonderfully. Such a blast. It, it was um, it was kind of a dream come true. You know, you had you worked with um, Alberto Chapa. Alberto yeah. Chapa. Shout out to Alberto Chapa. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think he's working with Ableton now, the company Ableton. Amazing company. Mm-hmm. They make an amazing software. They partnered with Beat for Beat, and mm-hmm. you guys were um, getting these controllers midi Mm -hmm. controllers sent into these schools and teaching these kids this industry industry standard amazing software and alberto made an amazing curriculum he sure did yeah yeah we worked uh hand in hand alberto's a a a trainer but before that he was a school teacher and um so we were able to um take my kind of harebrained ideas about what a digital audio after school program and 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 put it in the uh in the mind frame of uh these kids you know i want to give the audience like a a real clear picture so what mark and the beat for beat team is doing is they command a fleet of musician instructors going into how many schools are we in right now it fluctuates but we're usually in about 30 to 40 schools. 30 to 40 schools, yeah. public and sometimes private, but for the, the most part, they're, they're, they're public schools. Mm-hmm. And daily, after-school classes are being taught by all these different Austin musicians. Yeah. And you're putting out fires. You're, you're making sure that these kids have a teacher to be present. And you're showing up for these kids. Oftentimes, even if, if something happens like the upper leadership will show up and teach a class to make sure that kids have uh, someone there caring about them and creating this space for them to learn music. And maybe you could even just start with how did the program in the very beginning, what's the genesis? How did you start it? And how did it become what it is? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, so I, about 12, 15 years ago, I had decided I wanted to dedicate my career to music. And, um, you know, there's only one uh, Taylor Swift in the world. We can't all be that. So what do we do? Right. So I'm uh, I'm I'm playing wedding bands. I'm playing. I'm the guy in the corner at the restaurant you're ignoring um, recording people. And then I um, I started teaching and I had heard that um they were teaching music after school so you know i got on the phone called around until i finally found someone who was like yeah we need you we need people like you um so i started at travis high school um i showed up 
and I had no idea what to expect. <laughs> but these guys were, uh, they wanted to be a rock band. So I was uh, there kind of being like a, a rock band coach to them. Um, a very popular movie, uh, School of Rock, was out at the time. So I was drawing a lot of comparisons to that. Um, and I did that the first uh, semester, fall semester. I came back in the spring and I just saw a change. These kids had put their guard down and they were ready to, to come in and work. They were happy to see me. They were happy to see each other. Um, at the same time, I learned about a lot of their backgrounds and they were dealing with real serious adult issues, um, suicide, homelessness, sexual assault, uh, foster home, foster care, just big, big issues. Um, but when they were with me, we were a band and all those problems, they didn't show up. So I had seen that like, wow, my, all these years of playing music and this and that, like I was able to take that and actually help kids and potentially save lives. Um, and that, that, that's so big, it's undeniable. Um, so it was at that point that I was like, I'm going to dedicate myself to this. Um, that was just you. And, and that it's was like just me. in one semester, you saw such an enormous change in your, in your class from when you had started. It really proved to you there's something here. Yeah. And so um, I started getting calls from other schools. Uh, come teach over here. Um, so I did. So I started teaching at other schools, and then the calls kept coming. I was still playing uh, in bands, so I would go to practice and say, does anybody here want to teach? <laughs> I've got a gig. And uh, th those were my first, uh, you know, quote-unquote employees, uh, my bandmates. That's so cool, and, man. <laughs> um, and, and, you know, it just grew. It grew from there. Wow. It grew from there and it just took off. And I mean, so if anyone's not familiar with after school, it's mm -hmm. a very short window after the regular programming. And there's just only so much that you can do. You can only work five days a week. You can mm -hmm. only work for a couple few hours after school. And so at a certain point you capped out and you literally, you can't be in multiple places. Right. Right. You, you only have a max of three hours, three to six every day. To work so it is not a full-time position and um, seeing that I knew that this was a good opportunity for for all my friends who were pursuing their uh, career to come in and and make some easy money without putting a lot of time and it works with touring and gigging and studio like it just it's kind of ideal for a musician in many ways they a don't have to pivot their focus and attention away from music uh, and it fits in with their schedule. Mm -hmm. And a I think a lot of musicians struggle with that meaning piece that you're talking about. Like, how is this really impacting? Like, will I only impact people if I become as famous as Taylor Swift? Right. Well, it's like, no, here's a tangible way you could be, no offense to Taylor Swift, but you could be more important than Taylor Swift <laughs> or more impactful than Taylor Swift for these eight kids, for these 16 kids in, in this semester. I don't think she would disagree with you. And maybe you're playing Taylor Swift songs in that class. I've, I've played a lot of Taylor Swift songs over the years. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like I said, they they want to they want it to learn it. 
you know so i i gave it to them right you know and that that's what what sparked their minds and their creativity so that's what we did and so this was what year so uh, i started in about 2012 and then we formed the nonprofit in 2014. and so here we are practically 10 more than 10 years later from when you started teaching right how many teachers are currently working with us uh, we carry about 15 to 20 at a time. Um, and the turnover is about uh, every year and a half. Um, that's about the, the life cycle of an instructor. So yeah. we could have like 30 instructors a year. And, you know, since we've been doing this, we've had over 100. And what's so amazing is your view on the school system and on students at large, because you work with so many different school districts, you work with so many different kinds of site coordinators, programs, ways of delivering this teaching, different teachers. And so you and, and Beat for Beat as an organization, you have this huge view on <laughs> the arts education in Austin that many people just can't have because they're not as involved in the day to day happenings of the schools and so i'm kind of curious what what opportunities do you see for for not only austin i mean we could extrapolate that out to other districts but what do you what do you see as opportunities for um imp increasing impact and increasing the the, eff the efficacy of of what we're doing you know the um the school district especially here in austin i mean they are putting music and arts in the in the schools um it's it's not very frequent um once maybe twice a week and the classes are usually pretty large um so as a as an instructor um you can imagine if you have 30 kids in a class and you're trying to teach them uh an instrument which makes very loud noise uh it's a struggle it's a struggle. Um, so the good thing about what we do is we kind of come in and we pull out the probably six or seven kids in that classroom who really want to do it and give them that opportunity to, uh, to, to try music and to, to be creative. Um, so what is the opportunity? Gosh, there's a lot of time in this uh in this uh in this world that needs to be filled and uh coming in in the after school there's definitely a um if you think about it people work till five schools end at three that does not make sense there's a couple of hours there what do the parents do you know this is the time that we can come in and not bring in like a structured class of, hey, we're going to teach you X, Y, Z. And then test you on it. And then test <laughs> you on it. No, we're going to come in and, and ask you what you want to do, right? So in the big picture after school world, it's such a great time for kids to, to explore um, whatever it is, sports, arts, music, anything else. Um, for us, we get those music kids, and uh, it's it's not it's not work for us or them, 
you know, it's a chance for them to, to be themselves. Which is huge. Like you said, after a full day of, uh, learning and being in structure, their brains are pretty literally fried and they need some sort of like downtime, recharge, more freedom. But the programs require core art standards are being met that, you know, that we're following certain guidelines for, for education. And, and so it's like how, you know, how you fit that into a program that's going to both, you know, satisfy the needs of the kids, but also satisfy the needs of the program is really challenging. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And, um, so what we've done is taken those core art standards and then taken the needs of the kids in that after school time and, and, and baked them together. So we know that um, when we get these kids interested in what we're teaching, that we are going to hit those core art standards. We're just coming at it from a different direction. But it, it does happen. They will want to learn. They get, their minds are curious. And, uh, and we're not here to reinvent the wheel. The core art standards are there. They're standards for a reason. So that's when we pull from there and really get these kids uh, going. They get a pretty incredible opportunity. They get to work with world-class musicians. They get to work with world-class brands. Like the fact that Ableton, you know, partnered with us and gave this equipment and and uh, Alberto, who works with the company now, was, was involved in their mm -hmm. learning is is pretty incredible and kind of bypasses maybe some of the budgetary limitations that the the regular programming might be able to provide them not only just in in the curriculum but obviously the one-on-one -on -one attention is so huge so we're, we're our classes are generally a little smaller mm -hmm. so they're actually getting more uh, personalized attention than they might in like a full-on class of 40 or 60 students or something and you bring up a good point um these are world-class musicians. Some of these guys have, have, are, are right in the middle of their career. They're, they go on tour. They're gone for three months, you know, and they come back and they're working on their music and they'll come teach for us and then they're gone again. I just, I just uh, you know, I'm, I'm thrilled that I could put someone like that in front of these kids who's seen the world and has so much experience and is um, chasing their dreams. I think it's so important that a lot of these kids in these um, low-income, underfunded schools, they, they don't have big dreams. Their vision is cut short by what they know. It's, it is, um, when I'm done with school, I'm going to be a you know, labor at McDonald's or construction or something. This is what, I, this is what is in store for me. And, um, future set the future set. And, and we get to put people in front of them that, that think otherwise, like, actually I, I'm in control of my destiny and you, you are too. So it's the power um, of creativity, right? It's like the future becomes way more malleable. You're not, you're not just victim to your circumstances. You can make stuff happen. And I mean, we, you know, together we've seen some really interesting testimonials from students that we've interviewed while launching that beats program Yeah, about just the power that these spaces 
have over them expressing and feeling emotions. And like you mentioned earlier, like some of them are coming from such hard living situations, life situations, lived mm-hmm. experiences. And Beat for Beat really does provide this fun, safe, creative, enjoyable experience and space for them to relax a little bit, hopefully, you know, for a couple hours. Yeah, yeah. And um, and we know that we've had kids that, that get labeled as uh, bullies. Mm-hmm come in and um, express themselves through music and um, we see tears in their eyes, you know, that they just can't believe what they've done. They had no, there was that, what this creation that they made was never in their, in their view that they could possibly do something like that. Um, so yeah, that's the kind of thing that that changes the the projection of of a kid's life, and that's that's really what we're trying to do here. We don't think that we're going to, uh, you know, produce a bunch of famous musicians. We just want them to, if they're on a bad path, to veer off of that path. That's what we could do with the limited amount of time we have them. Yeah, that's our goal. What's the biggest challenge that that beat for beat faces in reaching that in scaling and growing more like what what are some of the opportunities for um support for help like what what needs to be done to get to the next place that's a big question (laughs) um well we've touched on this already uh funding for for the arts uh funding for after school is is one of the first things to go. Um, the people who are making those de- decisions are not the people that are boots on the ground on the floor with the kids. They just don't see it. They don't see. So I guess you would naturally think that, well, if if a kid is is not good at math, then we should give them more math. Mm. Let's keep pounding away on the math. Um, but in fact, some of the most successful uh, countries or states in, in education do not do that. They do less, mm. more quality work. Mm. And they give, they do put emphasis on the arts and, and, uh, and do understand that when you have the a child in the public school system and your school system, um, you really do need to focus on the whole child. So, and of course we're here talking about music, but we're also talking about nutrition. We're talking about, uh, physical education. We, and we are talking about the sciences and the math and the, those fundamental skills, but we're we're kind of missing the whole health of a child, and so pounding away on math, like let's get a more tutoring. Uh, you could have some negative returns on that. Mm-hmm. So instead of using it as an indicator that they need more of that thing, it's an indicator that they need to approach it in a different way, or they need to balance it out with something else. And I mean, what, that is one of the cool things about music, is you can 
approach it from so many different ways. You can learn math and music. You can learn marketing and music. You can learn more computer engineering and sound design. And th there's so many ways that it can enrich the learning experience of a, of a child. It's application. The kids are, you know, they're dividing numbers up um, as, they're, as they're making their beats. Um, they're writing song lyrics, you Literature. know? Yeah. Yeah. They are, they are applying what they've learned. Um, I mean, we're, we're making, uh, uh, music on laptops. There's technology involved. You're not telling them this is what to do. One, two, three, follow the steps. You're giving it to them and saying like, let's, let's do this. And so they're actually hands-on learning, which is kind of the best way to do it. Well, what do you think's going to, what would it take to change the funding decisions of policymakers? And you know what I mean? Like what, what would show its value more than it has? Like, why is that always the first to go? Why are the arts always cut? Why are sports more, uh, seem to be more promoted? Not that those shouldn't be because physical activity is so important, but like what, what's going on there? What do you think? Right, right. Yeah. It, it's a, it's a complicated answer. You mentioned sports. I mean, obviously, uh, we're in Texas. High school football is big. Um, they sell tickets. They're on TV. Um, they're selling food at the concessions. There's a lot of revenue to be made there. So, um, you know, kind of putting, putting your uh, resources behind that makes sense um and in, in that financial way um but you're not reaching all the kids and i think what we're seeing uh now is uh the post pandemic uh this is a totally different world than we grew up in 20 years ago uh the problems out there are more complex um and the answers need to be more complex. Mm -hmm. We just need to keep showing uh, the decision makers that that way used to work. It's not working anymore. We need to get more creative. We need to we need to actually look at what's going on a little bit deeper. Look at the big picture. You know, it's that it goes back to that whole child. Uh, thing mm -hmm. like a complete whole integrated i mean a really simple thing is like you have a kid if you have a kid at school that's struggling at um math or something yeah uh, and and your first gut reaction is like well let's let's give them more math more tutoring this and that but what if you looked at that kid all day and was like hey he's only getting like four hours of sleep at mm -hmm. night and he eats ice cream for dinner. <laughs> Maybe there's some other things going on that we need to look at. Um, so I think that's kind of that's kind of the thing. There's not a there's not a one size fits all answer to no. this. Uh, humans are complex. Kids are complex. And there's not. I mean, it's it's such a like you said, complicated problem because you, you know, when I was going into the campuses and seeing what, what, like the amount of kids that the teachers have to manage, it's so disproportionate. Oh yeah. And so it's like, 
as much and we don't pay teachers enough and so as much as we would love for more attention to be focused on it's like well how are they practically supposed to do that when a lot of the teachers are buying some of their own school supplies sometimes to make ends meet to to make their lesson plans you know come through and so that's really challenging and that is maybe part of the benefit of after school is it's a little bit of extra manpower and woman power to come in and um fill in the gaps a little bit i think there's i i I do think an important part of our uh role that we don't talk about a lot is we are coming in and relieving the teachers they have they have had the the grunt of the work day with a full class full of kids and all of their individual behaviors combined and uh it's it's physically and emotionally taxing for them um so it's real important for us to come in with a, you know a fresh fresh mind and and grab those kids and take them to a different place where they're not forced to learn something because of testing but they uh they get to um experiment and test and and, and find what they love mm-hmm. yeah and there's so many directions we could go in there but i mean the the idea of testing even just to talk mm-hmm. about that because we also do a, our own sort of what what is the goal of testing it's like to check for knowledge acquisition to see to uh self-assess to assess is there progress being made and i think those things are are important evaluations are important uh beat for beat does it in a really interesting way that actually really positively impacts yeah. the kid how do we do that yeah so <laughs> And it's hard to, it's, it, it is a, an assessment of, of ourselves through the child's eyes. And we do not test the standards. Um, because the, our goal is, our goal at the end of the, of the term is not to have taught them, you know, the appropriate grade level uh, music thing as approved by a board somewhere we we don't even know who they are um our goal is to make sure that the that the kids are getting everything they that they can out of us so we assess the kids uh happiness the kids um their uh willingness to be there do they want to be there do they do they um enjoy the instructor do they feel safe in that environment, safety is huge. So we assess ourselves by by getting that feedback from them. Like, are they are they being fulfilled? Are we giving them what they need? And so our questions are pretty simple. <laughs> How are we doing? We're actually doing pretty good. <laughs> you know what? You it? know it's 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 pretty good because we don't test them. Yeah, right. Well, they like that. But I mean, those those metrics, if you'll call them, are actually what measures culture. I've been learning from mm. from some different people in the DEI space and in organizational leadership that you sometimes have to let go of traditional ROI metrics, revenue metrics in a company, and you have to get into that level of detail of people's moods and emotions but on a with data, but you need to survey and you need to ask, well, what, how, what's your quality of life here? Yeah, you know, and and so what what you're kind of assessing there is the culture that's being created, and I think that's super vital. And there's another piece that I was thinking of, 
in terms of assessment, which is the performances they do. Maybe you could talk a little bit about. Yeah. Yeah. And that one of our, one of the things that we've seen that could, uh, really, um, impact their lives is the performance massively massively if you if you have ever been on stage and i know you have but uh, anyone listening if you've ever been on stage and and felt that adrenaline rush um the nervousness the butterflies and then you're you're running through it and it's it's happening and then the when you're done and the reaction of the crowd and i mean you are on cloud nine when you come off of that that high it's terrifying and incredible at the same time and when you're done you, you kind of feel like you can do anything you could lift a car you know 100 <laughs> percent. i think no i think you're underlining what why it's important because of the uh there's a term self-efficacy that happens that the feeling of i can accomplish what i set out to do what I believe I can do, what I thought was hard, but I got through. And that is what carries over. It sounds like you're saying into the rest of their life. Of course, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Once you have that feeling of, um, it, it, it's a daunting thing. You, when you watch someone perform, it's like, wow, I could never do that. You know, a lot of kids will think that, and then they actually get up there and do it. And are just like, you have this feeling of like, wow, I'm, I'm pretty good. You know, that was amazing. And, uh, man, if I could do that, what else can I do? You told me after the very first performance that my students went through, you're like, you're going to have a whole different set of students this next semester. It's true. And you, you really notice it. I mean, you know, there's always going to be classroom management stuff. But the buy-in that you get from your students once they've tasted that is completely different. They're not just because I think there's a little bit of this cross uh, cross fade blur that happens where they're like, oh, you're another teacher and you're here to. And, and this is no shade towards teachers. It's just you're another teacher in our school day that we need to follow and, and follow these rules and instructions and and whatnot. But when they realize that, no, you're actually giving us an opportunity to share and express our, our art and ourself and be on stage, it, it's like their entire mood in the class shifts. And that's when you can really get some work done, both musically, of course, now they wanna do it. Yeah. They're hungry for it, yeah. they wanna learn. But, but with them as people, because you've taken them through that experience um, and, it, and you, you kept them safe, you know, it worked out. Uh, and now like they've bought into you and, you know, we do, um, we do check-ins with these kids. So we talk to them and, um, now when you give them advice or feedback, you know, they're going to listen. What have been some of the most inspiring moments or like maybe you share a story or two of, of yeah. some of the standout moments that you've experienced in, in the, over the last decade of, of running this? God, there are so many, there are so many, um, kind of drawing back to the, uh, giving the kids like kind of a, a new, uh, idea of a new path. I'll never forget one of my first classes I was teaching a elementary guitar class. And uh, towards the end of the semester, this kid came up to me and was like, um, what's your real job? I'm like, what do you mean? Like, well, you're here playing guitar, but like, what do you do for real? 
and I'm like, this is it, man. Like I'm, I'm here playing guitar with you. That's my job. And, uh, he couldn't believe it. He was like, do you have a car? Do you have a house? And I was like, yeah, you know, I, I've made it work. I've made it work. I play guitar with you. I, I, I play guitar with my friends. I, I make music on my own. Um, and I found a way to do it and have a car and a home. <laughs> um, I love that. I love that. Um, that was one great experience that, um, that was like, wow, I'm showing these kids an alternate path. But uh, the really beautiful thing that, um, really beautiful thing that happens, we have, um, you know, kids who are outcasts, um, don't fit in, they, they're on the, the spectrum, you know. Uh, and a lot of times the counselors will put them in after school clubs. So we had a kid, um, very quiet, was definitely on the spectrum. And, um, they put him in our class. And of course we were, this was a middle school rock band. So we had drums, guitar, bass, keyboard, singers. And, um, you know, we'll just call him Dave. Dave, do you, do you play an instrument? What do you want to do? And he, he just, he just wanted to watch. That's fine. Just watch, you know, sit there and watch. And, and he would help us move equipment around, you know. That's great. About a month or two later, our drummer didn't show up. Dave, you want to play drums? Yeah, I'll play drums. So he gets down and he sits on the drums. They start playing the song and he can do it. He's been watching and learning the whole time. And he just played the drums. Amazing. And we're like, wow, okay, this is great. You, you're like, okay, you're a great drummer. Great job. And he's like, yeah, thank you. And, um, and then uh, we, were, we were gearing up for a performance. And it's like, hey, guys, we want to do, like, let's add another song to the set. Let's see if we can do a third song. We had two songs. Let's do, add a third one. Does anybody here have a song that they can sing? He raised his hand. Yeah, I have a song I like to sing. Um, and it was a beautiful uh, ballad song. And he just got up there on the mic and belted it. And we were just floored by this kid. Floored. Wow, this is, this is amazing. Um, so we go to the performance. And uh, we get up on stage and he gets up. And he sings the song and uh, his mom comes up to me and it's just like, I, I just can't believe like that he, he has friends and that he just got up there and sang in front of a hundred people. I mean, that's I, people's worst nightmare. Basically some, some people that's their worst nightmare. Yeah. And she's like, this is something I never thought was even possible for my son. And I mean, I was, uh, you know, that was just one of those reassuring moments. Like, okay, we're doing the right thing here. We got to keep doing this. Um, yeah. So that's, that's really changing a kid's life and just giving them some hope where they, they didn't know they had it. Man, it's so inspiring to hear stories yeah. like that. And just like, 
reflecting back on my time with the students and different moments like that where something surprising happens you know because you don't always know what's going through their head you know you like don't. he was sitting there for so long until he sat down and then when when they express themselves in whatever way that is it, it can be kind of uh, surprising to just see how much it's impacted them what they've been thinking how much they like it and like you said it really cements in this idea of like wow this is so important that they well, and, I, and, and it i think the whole thing and like you said, I'm not in his head, but I think the the whole thing started with us just accepting him right. into the group just be there. and just be himself. Yeah. And what do you want to do? You just want to sit and watch? And we gave him that freedom to do that the whole time he was getting comfortable with us. And by the way, watching and learning the parts of the instruments and the songs. And uh, I... I uh, you know, I don't think we could have forced that kid to do it, but we just gave him space in a safe place where there were, he was not being judged, and uh, he felt comfortable and he opened up. Yeah, it's really profound. And yeah. I mean, there's just so many different kinds of kids that come through the program. Like you said, we yeah. we hear so many different stories, some tragic, some hilarious, just like different little slivers into the realities of all these different kids all going through very unique experiences and they build relationships with their instructors and they confide in them and they share stuff and it's like we, you know and we have very specific i forget the abbreviation of the the like, abbreviation uh, there's so many uh, yeah i know right the abbreviation days. of the like protocols for uh student student information oh yeah is it like the na something and there's some abbreviation anyway, right right but uh, you know sharing pro sharing, sharing private, private information, information and even facilitating a group where kids share and all the instructors are trained on how to manage those situations and being um really cognizant of that but still you just you know kids are kids and and you hear things about their life and it really drives home the point of just like how much they need an outlet to express that stuff yeah and it is deeply inspiring to get to witness that and see them create and learn and it's it's and we have more tools than ever to mm -hmm. make that process enjoyable because it's hard to learn guitar it really is and for some people that is their path it was my, it was my path it was your path obviously yeah and yeah. you're going to share some of your music here yeah in a little bit <laughs> but but now we have beats and we have um online music creation software and we have different ways to give them access to their own creative potential with a little bit less friction on the learning side so they can really focus on the expression side which is really exciting right right and uh and that really speaks to just how the world's changed and that, um, it, like it or not, it, instant gratification is here. TikTok, you know, that's yeah. what they're all on. They're all watching like things yeah. like that. So. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, the 18th century way of, uh, of practicing your skills. On harpsichord. <laughs> it's just not going to cut it. You know, it's, it's not, it's not, uh, even, even for us, I'm guessing you probably had the same thing, like sitting down and learning piano in a traditional way was just not into it when our favorite music that we listened to did not sound like that. Right. Yeah, you want to emulate what you love mm -hmm. somehow, you know? Yeah. And that was us. Um, now, you know, the kids are getting information at their fingertips.
we're talking about expression. One of the things that I've I was really grateful to you for was your willingness to try this experiment with me. So yeah. we're on a podcast. Right. I I left teaching for Beat for Beat um, before the pandemic, at like pretty much right before, more or less, give or take a few months. And I pivoted full time into my podcast and my podcast growth agency and all that. And it hit me really quickly. And and one of the stories I would tell a lot of people I worked mm-hmm. with actually was about teaching one of the classes. Because what one of the programs we use, Soundtrap, has a podcast template. Mm-hmm. And it allows the kids to communicate with each other through like a wire, like a Zoom style thing. <laughs> and I would notice the kids would be really interested in running off to a corner and doing these conversations with each other. And I kind of filed that in my in my back pocket, in the back of my mind. Um, and then, you know, after launching this podcast and after having all these conversations, I started to put the pieces together that there's a lot of amazing parts to running and launching a show that would be fun to try with kids. A, because of the sort of emotional intelligence, questions, conversations, the dialectical approach, super powerful, a way to sneak in research a way to sneak in literature uh, and and a way to sneak in the computer audio engineering and video and marketing stuff. Because one of the things that impacted me as a kid was homeschooling and mm-hmm. the freedom of doing whatever I wanted, which is what you talked about with the after school program. Mm-hmm. And so I, I spoke to you about this idea of doing like a, a trial podcast class because anything that the kid wanted to do other than that activity was fine they just had to do a podcast about it. I don't want to do this. Okay, what do you want to do? I want to play Minecraft. Okay, great. Let's research Minecraft and mm-hmm. let's do a podcast about Minecraft. Let's do a stream where you play Minecraft and talk about it, right? So the, it was it was this like the idea at least, the hypothesis was we could trick kids into doing what they want but to get a lot of learning from it. And you were game. And so in conjunction with Jazz, one of the instructors mm-hmm. and, a, and a great friend of mine who's, who's been uh, amazing and helped this podcast and, and a lot of my clients' podcasts, uh, he, he was the instructor. And so we built out this curriculum, we put it in a class, and we have all these podcast clips. Yeah. And I thought it'd be kind of fun as like a little intermission. We could listen to a couple, few of them. Yeah. And we've never really listened to them. Maybe one or two. I've listened to some of it, but not all of it. Right. Yeah. So we don't really know what this will be, but there is a a collection of these student generated short little mini podcasts. And, you know, they research topics. They, um, you know arranged and wrote their scripts and then they recorded their voice onto the computers and they edited them and there might be some music in some of them and we don't mm-hmm. even know we'll see so yeah yeah but they they all uh they all took their interests and kind of put it into a, a nice little uh uh very short podcast segment where they uh introduce themselves introduce the topic and, and you know it's a presentation um and the beauty of it is it was all born from uh you watching the kids and instead of saying no 
work on your beats, you said, what are you doing? <laughs> let's, let's, and this, and it's also a great example of how it's like, Hey, let's take that interest and, and, and use it. And then at the same time, we're getting in those, uh, like you said, literature, math, technical skills, so it's much. all happening. Uh, it's, it, but we're teaching through application. Yeah. So much. Yeah. yeah. So exciting. Well, let's listen to a few. Yeah. Hello, my name is Nalia and this is the first episode of all of all the about songs podcast question one when was the first song created the answer is the song is called haram hymn number six made in the first century a.d michael levy what kinds questions two what kinds of songs are there answer torch song ballad songs novelet songs and epithet songs rock blues and soul songs Question three, why do people write songs? Answer, writing a song is always a journey and that's why often people write them. All About Songs, this is the All About Songs podcast. I like songs because they remind me of happy memories when I was with my father and I hope they can bring you some happiness too. First, I like to talk about when the first song was ever created. This song is called Her Name Hymn, number one, made in the first century. That was the first song in record history, but there are many other kinds of songs. There are torch songs, ballad songs, novelette songs, amethyst songs, blues, soul, soul songs. Blues is a music genre and musical from which it originated in the deep south of the United States around the 1860s by African Americans. These are the main types of songs in our modern world. Blues is a musical gen and musical form which originated in the deep south of the United States around the 1660s by African Americans. That finishes up our episode for today. I hope this podcast was informative and able to provide you with more information about the history of songs and where they come from. We'll see you next time on All About Songs. What do you think about that? Oh my gosh. <laughs> I have so me. many thoughts. Yeah, tell me. <laughs> Number one, uh, how cute, you know? <laughs> adorable. Super adorable. How cute is that? Uh, and, and two, like, I mean, look, she she really did her her research and uh and, and she put out there what she learned and uh and I look, I I learned something. I totally learned. I would never have thought to ask the question, when was the first song recorded? Like, that was a very cool angle for... Yeah. It reminds me of, like, a Vsauce episode on YouTube or something. And and you know what? It's it's the kind of question that comes from a child's mind. Yep. Yep. You know? 100%. we We have all this garbage in our minds, and they're like, oh, well... When was the first song created? Fresh perspective. <laughs> and I'm like, I have no idea. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, the in, one of the things that stood out to me was how songs make her feel and remind her of good times with her father. So those are like, for the audience, those are those little gems that you get talking to kids about their life and what they care about that just, you, you know, that's the power of music right there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And and I'm glad you chose that one. Um, intentionally or not, because it really does speak to, um, why it's so great to have uh, musicians as mentors. I mean, these are, 
the where musicians are cut from the cloth of the people that write the songs mm -hmm. that make you remember good times with your father. Yes. And I'm like, I don't know if there's any better type of person for a young kid to be around than the kind of person that has that power mm -hmm. to create that way mm -hmm. and to share that. Um, yeah, it's a powerful thing. Music has is like this visceral memory card almost, yeah. right? It, it carries emotions, it carries memories, it carries um, meaning in a, in a way that maybe some other forms of media and, and art doesn't in the same way. Yeah, yeah, and, and and let's talk about music for for a bit, right? Yeah, right. Like, why music? <laughs> why music? Why music? Why is music so good for you? Wait, what what was your first uh, like? What, how did you get into music? You know, it's it is one of those things that uh, that I feel is in my bones. Um, like, I was always just drawn to it. Um, as a very young child, um, I was uh, exposed to the the beginning of MTV, ah. right? And it was like, whoa, this really, and that really put music in a, a whole new platform. So your folks didn't play? My folks didn't play. Um, I have an uncle who who um, who played, and. Uh, and he was in the South Texas country scene. So we would go watch him perform. And um, yeah, I was enamored by the whole thing. And um, and uh, that's when I got my first guitar. I was pretty young, couldn't really play it, but just I would sit there and mess with it. And then I finally, uh, I did take some guitar lessons um, and they were good. They were good, but um, the best learning I had was when I actually started playing with friends, mm. and and we kind of met in more of a social aspect. Because they would teach you, or more because you would jam and learn on the fly. Both, both, yeah. So there's there's something about um, that happens when you play music with people that is. Um, I mean, I call it magical, but they have, they have, uh, scientists have actually done CAT scans, you know, and showed like your brain is, is ignited because you're listening, you're watching, you're playing, you're, if you're playing music with an orchestra or a band, your brain is picking apart the different sound waves. You can hear the bass, the drums the keyboards, the singer, your brain is breaking that up while performing. And if you're reading music, you're reading at the same time and listening and it, everything's kind of going on all at once. So it's kind of like the ultimate full brain exercise that you wow. could do. Wow. Right. Makes sense. Yeah. Cause you're, you're just igniting all your senses at once. And it, you know, it's just, it, it, it really is a great exercise. And then you're, able to uh carry that over to other areas you know we kind of talked about how marriage of creativity and like technology and science is so important like if yeah. it lights up your brain in that way what happens then when you go to do math what happens when you go to to you know social studies or whatever and like how does that carry forward also the communication and the social aspect of it mm -hmm. um 
from both like a leadership and a, and a project management and a team communication conflict resolution style, but also emotional intelligence and literally the nonverbal kinds of communications that happen, I think strengthen everything about life. You know, when you have to come in at the same point in a song and you need to signal to people, hey, it's this part. Um, and even just syncing yourselves to each other, it creates something really powerful that, like you said, magic happens there that you don't really experience in many other Yeah, places. yeah, yeah. No, you really are synced up and you're, you're, you're all producing sound waves that are passing through each other. You're all sharing that. So there's some kind of um, sixth sense thing that's happening yeah. there when you're playing with other people. So it's a very powerful tool. And you're moving towards a common goal of beauty. And it's very clear when it's not happening. Oh, yeah. It sounds terrible. <laughs> yeah. But it's very clear when it is happening and it sounds amazing and everyone feels that and that amplifies it and that's kind of crazy yeah like when you're when when you and the other people have are in perfect harmony i mean you feel it and it's it's just one of those things that you i it, magic is what i call it because what is that feeling that i'm that we've connected as a group without talking or you know we're looking at each other we're listening to each other, but you know, we're not following clear instructions. It's yeah. just happening. Yeah. It's intangible. And it reminded me when you were saying that you saw your uncle play guitar in his band. Mm -hmm. Was that before MTV was kind of exciting you about uh, music or was that at the same time? <laughs> about or? the same time. Cause I, my father playing guitar was like enthralling. And way before I ever picked up a guitar, I would just listen and play and watch him play. And that was definitely a seed of wanting to to play that instrument. And that instrument hurts and it takes a long time mm -hmm. to get good at. And so you do need some serious motivation. And it kind of underlines that Im importance of role models and people demonstrating something that you can, you can say, okay, well, that's a future that I might want to... See, and I, you know, we... We're lucky to have been exposed to that. Uh, that's an opportunity that a lot of the kids that we deal with don't have. So it's when we're coming in um, to to a, a, a low income area, they bring us in for the music because they know like these kids haven't been exposed to that. So we are actually we're we're more there to expose and show them possibilities than to actually educate. It's more important that we show them, like we've said, here those here's another possibility. We got to see it live and in person and actually like feel like this is something I might be able to do. Right. You know, but if you don't see that, how would you ever know? That partly plays into that theory of self-efficacy, I think, too, is like knowing that you can accomplish something, having proof that it's been done, mm -hmm. that it can be done. And, you know, I want to draw a line or a circle between the student and the instructor for a second, because we've talked a lot about the students. We right. haven't talked as much about the musicians directly. Mm -hmm. They are the students in the past, in the future, right? So the instructors are musicians who were once students. I mean, we're all lifelong students, mm -hmm. but, but you get the point. And yeah. so... Maybe you could talk a little bit about that side of, again, this double impact model that Beat for Beat gives, which is you hire and train and support 
working musicians of Austin to instruct, teach, and support students at these public schools? And what are some of the things that the teachers are going through in their life? Uh, and how does Beat for Beat fit into that? And what are some of the cool transformations you've seen in teachers? Yeah, I think it was highlighted by the pandemic um, that the artists in our community were the ones that suffered the most. Uh, they there wasn't as much support for them. There wasn't bailouts for independent artists, right? Uh, so most of these uh, musicians that come to us are struggling financially. Um, they've made a decision to put their art in front of um, in front of making a, an honest living, mm-hmm. making enough money. Um, and that's something that uh, you know myself uh, struggled with. It's it's really hard to like, hey, am I going to eat? You know. Um, so I kind of found a way to do that, and it I've kind of found that like it's 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 on me to like share that mm. with them. So I I I, I look for um, all types of musicians, but we love having young people who have who are on their journey, and we want to be a part of that journey. And showing them a lot of things, uh, you know, one of the, the things we show them is just kind of like how to be a business professional, right? Approach, approach your career like it's a business. Um, you may be very talented, but if nobody knows about you, <laughs> like, it's like if a tree falls in the forest, it'll make a noise, right? Yeah. Um, you know, so we, we teach them um, just being responsible to their commitments. Um, you know, communication is big. You know, I'm, I, I've been playing around Austin for a while, and I was kind of that hired gun for, and like, hey, look, the thing that got me gigs was I was reliable. People knew if they called me, you know, I'd be there. Was I the most talented one? Hey, Sometimes you don't need the most talented guy. You need the guy that's going to show up. Yeah, certainty, super valuable. Right, right. So we want to we want to instill those types of things. Um, you're also furthering your knowledge um, by teaching. Um, and I I know for myself, I started teaching and had to find different ways to communicate a skill or a, a musical theory idea to different people. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it took kind of examining uh, my instrument or, or this theory in different, from different angles and being able to explain it in different ways. Um, and that just makes you such a, a better musician, selfishly. 100%. You know? You're like, well, now I know a lot more about the uh, circle of fifths or something because I've had to explain it 10 times, 20 different ways. Yeah. So there's a lot of uh, benefits as far as just taking, being able to take your career to the next level and, um, and also, in, you know, enhancing what you already know and keep growing. And you mentioned lifelong learner. If you, if you have that growth mindset, it, you take an opportunity like we give these musicians and really help it catapult you into, into whatever the next thing is for yourself. 
like you did. <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, I remember. So I actually found you guys on Craigslist. Yeah. I found you on Craigslist. I'm not a thousand percent sure what was. Oh, actually, I do have a story. Okay. <laughs> I am a thousand percent sure of what happened. Okay. <laughs> I was getting into morning pages a lot. Uh, uh-huh. which is this idea of Julia Cameron, the artist way, this idea of like every day, clear out your mind, write three pages. doesn't have to be anything. Just write three pages in the morning. I was yeah. really getting into that. And a vision started to crystallize that I wanted to be some sort of positive mentor for younger kids. And I wasn't sure in which capacities I was listing out all the areas in my life that I like or felt co- like competent in. Uh, and I found... And oh, and I remember like feeling so blocked by this idea of like, how do I get parents to te- like pay me to teach kids music or able or electronic music? I found you guys. Yeah. And I had an interview with you and Isaac, and yeah, it was just hey, you guys are so cool. And I was like, <laughs> wow, this is amazing. But it was literally to teach Ableton Live in in public schools. I was, I was I was so shocked. This is the exact thing that I've been trying to figure out what it is that I want to do. <laughs> so that was really exciting. And then to to get to because you guys develop as you're just saying, you kind of develop your teachers. So we have access to LAT trainings, L-A-T-T trainings. I forget what the abbreviation is. Learn all the time. Learn all the yeah, time. Yeah, after school, summer, always learning. You learn like the neuroscience of, of children's brains and mm-hmm. early childhood development. You get all this extra stuff. So I got to learn a lot through working with you guys. I got to literally meet uh, able representatives from Ableton mm-hmm. with you guys and make all these great connections. And then over time, I got the opportunity to train newer instructors which is another great experience and so and now i've gotten to work on the organizational side of the nonprofit. so there's this whole trajectory for the instructors that go through where they can also continue their journey so maybe at one point they're a student trying to learn music learn the guitar learn a scale then at another point they're a musician trying to learn how to develop their career and then maybe at another point like in my case, I toured, my music was licensed by Netflix and Hulu and Apple Plus, and mm-hmm. I, I got to work with multiple record labels and by no means did I like, you know, make it, but to one measurement, I did make it and mm-hmm. I felt like I reached a completion in that season for now. And I was looking for what's next and, and Beat for Beat was still there as like, here's some other ways that you could still be involved. And so I think it's, it's just really a special organization. And even the fact that it's a nonprofit, it's been around, you're a seasoned nonprofit yeah. director. The Our access to you and your experience and your network is also super educational, super valuable and fun and exciting. And like you, you must have learned so much over the last decade of how to run a nonprofit. And that is, <laughs> it, that experience doesn't come cheap. You know, that's, that's a lot of work to get there. It really is. <laughs> <laughs> but uh and we can talk more about just the nonprofit world. I, I find that uh it's that nonprofit model just makes perfect sense mm. to me. Um You didn't know that it was gonna be a nonprofit, right? No. You were teaching. At which point so you invite your bandmates, which point were you like this needs to be a nonprofit or how did that start? Right, right. At uh it, it really started when I when I was looking to, to grow. Um, and uh, you know, I've heard of this thing called grants 
you know, it's like, oh, there's people out there that will give you money or resources to help you uh, to grow. And um, let's back so, up a little farther. Yeah. What made you want to grow? Well, yeah, yeah. When, you know, when the universe talks to you, you should listen. <laughs> So all the things are falling in place. Like I'm getting these calls. I've, I'm, I'm, I'm setting up uh, extra work for my friends and then their friends of their friends. And so the network is building. And at the same time, we're seeing the positive impact on these kids. So it's like, okay, people are call, you know, they're not calling me to play giant stadiums. They're calling me to come in to these after school programs and how much were you talking about like are you getting literally like a few calls every week of a different school a call a week like what's going on yeah yeah they come i mean they usually come around the beginning of the school year or the beginning yeah so you just start getting them you know at the end of august like hey that's when they realize like what they're missing right that's when they call us so was there a moment where it was like the whatever number call that you got and you're like okay this is this is literally demand there's a demand. You know, the real moment was really like writing a bunch of checks to to my friends and being like, this is this is what they call payroll. <laughs> so you were you were being an intermediary for the Yeah. The yeah. Yeah. You had, a, you had a you had the connection with them. I had the connection. So I was like, okay, I'm I'm basically I'm basically kind of passing through. I'm doing the admit so I'll keep some for administration and all the insurance needs and all the filings that you got to do and and in my time and then and then pass on the rest to them so i'm okay i'm here doing payroll <laughs> and that's a, that that's a that's a heavy weight on you it's like oh there's people's livelihood that depends on you so some dinner so uh you know let's not mess that up let's get that right um that's when i was like I need to get organized, so I guess we're an organization. And um, were you incorporated before the? No, I was just working D- DBA as uh, yeah DBA independent contractor. Wow. Um, and then I and then I learned of all the benefits uh, that were there for nonprofits. Um, so from the beginning, we were able to uh, write and get grants to help support our efforts and help us grow. So growing meant, uh, you know, having more instruments to take into classes and having more instructors. And then, of course, you, you're you going to need to train these instructors. And, of course, there's admin time. And um, this is when, you know, you kind of came in on this in this level of, of uh, growth where we were like, hey, we're doing beats. I don't have the bandwidth to train you were the first guy to do it. You know this better than I do. You know, I will hire you uh, and your skill set to go work with these teachers and, and show them what you've learned. So, you know, that's kind of the beauty of, of, of business in general. But like the nonprofit business is like, oh, my gosh, I've, I've taken these skills that have changed and impacted kids and the musicians. And, and now I'm like, you've gone to, to pursue other things, but I could still call you back because you're a consultant and you've learned these things with us and things that you learned in your previous careers through 
marketing and music that that were like, hey, we need those skills too, here and there. So it's really been a a great thing to be able to to call back folks to say like, hey, you've done great over here. We need help with training or curriculum or whatever. Come in and help us out. You're an expert, you know. So you got really good at cutting checks for your friends. Uh, it's <laughs> one of the best things ever. It's one of the best. It's one of the best feelings ever. It's to, pretty epic. Yeah. To, to send money to people for, for doing for doing this work, uh, I mean, it's, it's so epic. I, I'm proud. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and you also have thrown some pretty epic events, too. Some yeah. Some big parties. And, you have, and, and, and I know there's one coming up really soon at the time of the recording of this, which yeah. I'm not sure that this will be live before that, but uh, yeah. it will maybe have happened. Right, right, right. Um, that's... Uh, that's just kind of a thing that we we really want to do is celebrate you know celebrate ourselves celebrate our accomplishments celebrate what the children have done celebrate what the instructors have done um so we yeah it's a it's a party and uh as musicians it's one thing we do very well <laughs> and the kids at the end of the semester really want that ice cream pizza party That's oh yeah like a big highlight yeah yeah, I mean, it, you know, it, it's it's a it's a pat on the back. It's a job all done, and it's like a ritual of uh, completion. Of it's actually, I think, kind of important in uh, obviously for fundraising and awareness in the public, but for the brain to arrive somewhere and acknowledge and reflect upon the achievements that have come before, actually helps us in doing that again. Mm -hmm. And I think it's huge. Yeah, you mentioned reflect. Reflection is big. Stop and look back. What have you done here? What have you accomplished? Um, what did I learn? What did I do wrong? What 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 will I do next time? That kind of, that comes up. Um, we as as humans should do more of that. But in as a part of our process, we do a a, a daily a classroom daily reflection just to really let the kids um, give us their feedback. Hey guys, we uh, today we learned about this type of music. Did you like that? Was that interesting to you? <laughs> if not, what would you like to learn? You know, and then get let them tell you like, yeah, I really liked this or, um, you know, like the girl in the podcast was like, oh yeah, that song made me remember uh having good times with my dad you know we get a lot of that type of feedback too and it's like oh that's great you know let's build on that yeah so you don't know what you're never gonna know if you don't reflect like so important yeah and also partying is just important to like oh and dance to music right and oh, so yeah. and you get you get some pretty amazing bands to come throw down for beat for beat and you throw grand old time where yeah families can come public can come and um celebrate music and and the the year's accomplishment or the semester's accomplishment yeah yeah no i think that's it, it it's it's really important to kind of uh you know bookend what you've done and at the end of the year that's that's what we do like and the teachers play which is actually equally important sometimes for the students to see i think i've, right. I've noticed where it's like you, yeah, you see your instructor every day after school in your classroom teaching you, but they're not necessarily playing 
with their band or music. And I know that my students, when they saw me perform, they also everything changed there too when they were like oh okay that's what you do you got some street cred yeah (laughs) yeah yeah took me more seriously i mean like who who couldn't use a little bit more street cred yeah we could all use so much street (laughs) cred it's very helpful uh that's so awesome man well so speaking of reflection yeah when you reflect back on over a decade of doing this work what are some of the things that stand out to you and what are some of the messages that you want people to know Yeah, there's things that I want people to know. Um, We are in a mental health crisis, especially our children. It it it's been this way, and it's not getting better currently. Um, I do music. We do music. That's our that's our talent, and that's what we've brought to the community. Um, So. What I re- my message really is, what can you do for your community? You know, we could see uh, on social media and the news like things aren't great, um, and, and sometimes you could feel helpless. Um, so I would I would think that you know anybody can just say what what is a simple thing I can do? I kind I took it far. I started a nonprofit and shared and shared my uh, gifts that way. But you know, you could walk outside and say hello to a neighbor, and or 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 hold the door open for somebody. Just share something that easy. Share your kindness, and um, and, and we can all we can all affect change by just starting like where we're at, and. Um, you know, I I have a vision for this organization that we can um, we can either inspire other people to to have organizations like that, or join our organization, or support our organization. But whatever it is you do, like you should do it for your community. Um, I chose music. I saw that my skills directly impacted kids. Um, there's, they don't keep statistics on how many lives you've changed. You just can't, you just don't know. Uh, the statistics they do keep are pretty scary. Um, so just know like an act of kindness or sharing, uh, your talents. Um, you know, you could be saving lives. That's a big statement to say, but, um, I've seen it. I've seen it. Yeah. Super impactful. That's beautiful to hear. And it's so true. And that's why this podcast is called Amplify What You Love. I really do think when we focus on those things and share them with others, it has that power that you're talking about. And I mean, one of the cool things about Beat for Beat is you have this complete system designed from end to end how to onboard and train instructors, how to get them into school, how to work with schools, how to, you have the curriculum, you have the, um, the, it's not just music lessons. It's like how to be with kids and how to, how to meet them where they're at. I mean, you have this entire comprehensive system and that's what you've brought to the community and that can be shared in other communities and, and beat for beat has so many resources. And yeah. So, I mean, one thing 
that I want to say is listeners out there, if, if there's something here that is inspiring to you specifically with music, like definitely reach out to beat for beat and at least have a conversation. And that's what I'm all about is having conversations. It, it is at the very least sharing ideas, sharing resources and connections. And th there's just so much that you've created that could benefit even an online portal of music games for kids. If you're a family and you have children listening to this, you can at least share some music games with your kids that we've collected. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, it's, 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 uh, I mean, it's just taking kind of that extra step. Sometimes it's uncomfortable, you know, um, but like the, like the kid I was talking about that just jumped up there on the microphone. I don't know why, he, he suddenly felt like he could do it, but he was compelled to do it. And uh, I mean, it affected everyone around him. I mean, it inspired me to, to keep going. And by that, how many more kids have I impacted? I don't know. But uh, yeah, just making the little extra step. And, uh, and yeah, please, if you, if you do want to talk to me, I, everyone who knows me knows I will talk to you all yeah. day about this i love it <laughs> yeah you're you're um extremely approachable and always super generous and just like down to do impactful fun projects which i, I love about you yeah i actually wanted to talk to you about uh this idea that i, I was thinking about this conversation and I don't know if I told you about Septima Studios much. I probably did a little bit about the studio we had in Mexico. You, yeah, you told me something about we, it. We connected teachers from the town with rural students and everything right. was time exchange. There's no money. So mm -hmm. I would record teachers, teachers would teach students and students would learn ecological restoration and composting and organic gardening. Mm -hmm. And they would do act like work and make compost and, and help to rehabilitate the, their countryside. And in exchange, they'd get lessons. And so it was this like closed system of, of recycling. And it's now seeing what beat for beat does, which is very much that at a much bigger scale and using cash, which I think is still so important and, and great. And I have this vision for a way that students can do this mm -hmm. and somehow get paid or, some, you know, like there's all these entrepreneurs, there's all these businesses that need to be interviewed. There's, there's nonprofit leaders that need to be interviewed. There's, there's purpose-driven impact focused businesses that need content. And there's all these students that need to learn editing, marketing, interviewing skills, all this stuff. And how cool would it be if they could do this and help each other out same way, you know, in yeah. a very similar parallel thing to what Beat for Beat is doing. Yeah. I mean, look, I've, I am, I am a, a podcast <laughs> hound, you know, and I use it. Yeah. You know, you learn stuff. Uh, yeah. When I'm, when I'm, uh, struggling, uh, with the new aspect of the business, um, <laughs> there's so many podcasts that you can go out there and listen right. to. Right. And, and, and it's, it, and they're so intimate that you, you're really getting to know, um, a deep dive into people's thoughts and of course it's great because you can listen to them multiple times if you didn't get it and you want to go back and listen um and just get these ideas and and you never know what's going to spark something 
Uh, and and usually if if I hear something and it sparks, I'll listen to it and I'll share it. And I want people to know like, hey, this person had an idea that really impacted me. Right. And you should you should hear about it. Right. Yeah. And the hosts of these shows are getting so much free free it's not necessarily free but they're mm-hmm. getting so much non-paid exchanged information and i i see that as almost this open source university mo- model mm-hmm. or something where where if kids had more act because i also think there's a there's a mental health crisis there's a role model crisis mm-hmm. and there and there's some opportunity there for younger students to to learn how to interview mentors of different backgrounds and learn and glean stuff and then share that with others as a way to, to spread that that benefit to more than just those two people. Yeah. But then the people who are being interviewed, it's PR and it's content and it's it's there's some there's something there. And so that's definitely a conversation I want to continue to have with you because yeah. you, you've done this amazing engine of connecting students and teachers. Yeah. And and you know, I you mentioned the exchange of, of of services and goods. I mean, you know, that's where cash came from. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it it's something that um, that we should embrace. And um, you know, like I said, I, I it's the greatest feeling to cut checks to people. You know, especially these instructors who are doing such wonderful work. I I mean. It's it's an amazing feeling to give them money so that they can eat. Yeah, it's a great thing. What would you? What advice would you give to someone thinking about starting a nonprofit? Um, there's a lot into it. Uh, first, first and foremost, like, is this something that you are really passionate about? Um, there's a lot of great ideas out there. Uh, I've had so many conversations with people with great ideas um, and, and people that had great ideas for me. Uh, the thing that I went with was the thing that I was the most passionate about. It's, it's going to drive you. Uh, so be passionate about the idea. That's, that's, that's huge. Um, that's a big one. And the other thing is like, it is a business. It's called a nonprofit. That's an unfortunate name. Uh, the profits go back into the people, mm. you know, the profits are go into the people that are serving the mission. So, and, and, and so, but you have to treat it like a business. So you need a business plan. You, you don't jump into it. Uh, you've got to think out your programming You've got to to forecast. You have to think ahead. You have to use all these business practices, marketing practices. Um, it all comes into play. So just having a great idea and a passion is not enough. You've got to you've got to do your homework. You've got to do your research. You've got to do market testing. Are there other people like you already doing this out there? If so, maybe it's not the best idea to start a nonprofit. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's a better idea to go to them and say, how can I support you? Mm-hmm. You know, so there's a lot of things to think about. You don't want to, you don't want to flood that market, right. you know. Um, so go in it with, with attention. And, um, and then the third thing is always expect the unexpected. The world changes. We all got hit with the big change. Um, 
and the, and the word pivot became a regular part of our vocabulary because <laughs> what do we do, right? So you make your best plans and then we, we teach this in the, for the classroom too. You got to have a plan. If you go in without a plan, you're in trouble, but you've got to have a backup plan and a backup to the backup plan. And if you can have a backup to that backup plan, like be ready because we just don't know what the world's going to throw at us. So get as prepared as possible and, uh, and, and just go with it. And I think if you're, you know, going back to following your passion and, uh, you'll, you'll make it. Yeah. We were talking before the camera started rolling about redundancy Mm-hmm. having backups for the backups and that that's super vital also this idea of like change management being there's an actual term that mm-hmm. i've recently learned about but it seems so important especially now it really is. where before we had longer maybe periods of time of consistency uh meaning like after world war ii let's say there's like these more consistent predictable time periods and now it's like things change so fast now we have ai now so it's like I love that last point. It seems super important. And also the idea of not crowding the marketplace seems very um, collaborative with it the really, work that's being done. It really is. It really is. And, um, you know, sometimes you you may be the smartest person in the room and, and the brightest or, or have the most money, but... Um, Filling in the market where it's not a need is not the best thing for the community always. Mm-hmm. Now, we all are also in a capitalistic society. So being innovative mm-hmm. and, and progressing, uh, that's good. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's that's where we have in this society a, a, a positive. Um, you know, people are, are uh, it kind of ties back to the being creative part. <laughs> That creative mind is creating better ways to do things. And if that comes into the market, then uh, it's welcome and it'll survive. Uh, but if you're if you're reinventing the wheel, it's probably better to go lend your support somewhere. Yeah, that totally makes sense. It also, based on your past, it sounds like you can kind of get far as a for-profit first to validate the model maybe before going through all the hoops to make a nonprofit. Is that right? Sure. You could see if there's a need. So for us, um, there are, obviously we're in a music town. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of musicians here and there, and there's a lot of musicians teaching. Um, they're more traditional lessons than us. Now, we are unique in that we go to the schools. Um, We don't have a brick and mortar. We go to them. And we're also unique that we are uh, very um, flexible with, uh, you know, we use the word curriculum. Our curriculum is a guideline. Uh, It's not a prescribed um, way to teach. We have to be flexible. Um, We can go in thinking we're going to be teaching drums at the end of the semester, we're teaching guitar. Uh, Same thing with beats. We think these kids love uh, their laptops, but in the end, here we are playing guitar, you know? So we're, we're more flexible and we're in that after school space. And there wasn't that big of a, uh, 
a market for for that mm. that when we came in so we're like okay there is a place here for us we're not just doing what what these other guys are doing right yeah yeah that totally makes sense and the idea that basically you reach a point where you validate that the idea is going to work mm-hmm. there's a need for it you're not flooding the marketplace and you're in it for the long haul it's going to take work the idea that the profit goes back in the program so it's like you still you still can pay yourself to do the thing because you also need food and and mm-hmm. shelter but is it income minus expenses equals profit therefore that has to go directly back into programs how does that all work i don't know that i as long as i've worked with nonprofits, i don't actually know that what is the the real financial difference in accounting um simply put uh if you make a profit it's carryover cash rolls to operating expenses into the next year okay yeah yeah. It can't be distributed out as whatever. You don't just get to do whatever you want with it, right? <laughs> um, a lot of people pay bonuses. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. It could be in the form of bonuses. That's, that is fair and allowed, and that's something we do. We have a, If we have a good semester, um, yeah, we pay bonuses to the, the teachers. And what about... Um, the public accounting does does everything have to be publicly visible? It or? it one hundred percent is. You um the your tax statements, uh your annual tax statements are called nine nineties. Okay. And they are uh found online. I mean ours are posted on our website. So you're signing up for potentially extreme scrutiny. Of course. And that's part of what keeps it honest. And there's, yeah, that, it, that makes a lot of sense. And I mean, it's just, it's an interesting decision. Why would, why would you go that way? Why would you not just go for, for profit and do the impact that you want to do? And there's like different reasons for it. What was your, what, I mean, there's obviously some tax incentives. Mm-hmm. How, what, what was your mindset or what would your framework be for deciding if someone should do that as opposed to a for-profit impact could still be there, right? It's not like you can only do impact with a nonprofit is it more grants is it i do think funding um funding sources plays a big part of it um for us doing what we do there's there's more opportunity for uh um donors individual donors private foundations and government grants I, I would feel there was more opportunity there than say like uh, like a private uh, loan or a bank loan or something um, that's more traditional uh, loan product um, because there were so many sources out there for the type of work that we do um, we chose the nonprofit so I really do think that is something you would have to consider. Uh, when you're when you're getting into business and saying like, oh, may I am doing a good public service, but does this make sense to do it this way? And um, it's all public knowledge. The government grants is first place I would look. Do they have? Do your research. Do they have grants that support uh, organizations like this? You know, for us there was, yeah. So. We're going to hear some music from you soon. Yeah. I'm very excited about. Before we get there. Okay. <laughs> um, 
what's next for beat for beat what's on the horizon what are you excited about oh gosh yeah we are we are you know in in the uh i think we're if you're familiar with the kind of business life cycle there's kind of your idea phase your growth phase and then there's kind of this maturity rebirth cycle that could be kind of anything and that's where we're at which is a cool place to be where you can kind of uh reinvent um how you do programmings so um we're definitely looking at uh different ways to produce revenue streams um one of it is licensing our our uh our um ip the model the model of how we do things um which is super exciting to me personally because of the idea of like more beat for beat in even other states like that is so exciting yeah 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 and and you know that's a that's a great possibility it's good to i i feel like we've learned something let's share it um and yeah like this is cash in 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 our country is is our blood so yeah like help feed me i'll help feed you kind of a thing um we're also hoping to get um before the pandemic we had started a a a a private space to bring in students that want it more um uh that that we can do in the after school space so we're looking to get back into that world where we're in more of a um off-site place where where students can come and really like uh explore especially teens i feel like um for teens uh, as they get up into those high school programs you know if they want music it's marching band or choir you know um but as we know like there's more the music has to offer than that you know so we'd love to have a place where uh like teens can come and kind of you know have a place uh, a music studio with yeah with with top of the line equipment that they can explore so that is deeply exciting and inspiring yeah and and that was like the vision we had in mexico with this recording studio and i got to experience a little bit of that because we had this 300 year old mansion old factory yeah turned into a youth center and the magic that happened there when when teens have a safe place to go be and create with top of the line equipment is pretty extraordinary yeah and i so see that clearly for beat for beat having that here in austin yeah yeah no i think that's a a logical step for us yeah how can people support beat for beat what are the different various ways and what's the most impactful and what's most needed and anyone still listening right now um, if they feel called to support, what are some of the different ways that they could do so? Yeah, you know, we all have different gifts and resources. Uh, we've talked about that. Um, obviously, if you are someone who has money to donate, you know, like I said, it goes into the pockets of people who who need to eat, who are serving these kids. Um, that is a great way to invest your money back into your community, especially here in Austin, you're supporting the music culture as well. Um, But that's not what everyone can do. 
a lot of the musicians in this community uh, will pull together and donate their extra gear. I mean, that goes right into the kids' hands. Um, that cl- that closet cobweb covered guitar or keyboard, uh, it 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 could have a purpose for better things. Um, and and opening doors for people, you know, think about someone who might a uh, musician that might need this opportunity or or you might know of uh your friend's school doesn't have a, a adequate arts program or something you know that's a phone call or an email that's some that's that's hugely impactful um it costs nothing but some some of your time yeah on that note a lot of people don't realize the power of shares. For instance, if you share this episode, if you share any of the clips from this episode, if you share any of the posts that Beat for Beat shares, if you share an email that you receive from from Beat for Beat, uh, A, on social media, the shares, likes, and comments literally improves the reach and response mm-hmm. it gets on the platform. So you don't have to donate money, but by engaging with and not just be for beat any or charity nonprofit that you believe in actually really, really helps. But specifically sharing, uh, the content is, is such a quick, easy way. And it really does matter in the long run. And so that's, that's an easy thing that people can do. I mean, we have people, you know, we've been around for a decade. I just, you know, they'll call me now. I've just learned about what you're doing and gosh i have a closet full of guitars uh, i'd love to give them to your students you know uh, or like i said hey i know the administrator over here at this school they've been looking for an arts program a music program for years just having those conversations yeah. making those connections you never know when you share something who it reaches and and the impact it can have you just never know trickles yeah. down into these classes and these students get more access to this and yeah that's amazing yeah so beatforbeat.org beatforbeat.org links are in the show notes obviously um there are lots of cool free resources too for parents yeah. and teachers right we have different things available uh, maybe I can link to some in the show notes as well. Uh, but uh, some one of the things that kind of, and we, we address this, but I, I like to open up the mic kind of towards the end and be like, is there anything else that you would want to share? If I could give you a mic and, and kind of <laughs> like a- amplify that to the planet, what would you want to share? Oh, gosh. Yeah. No, I think I've already said it. Like... You know, if we're going to if we're going to make this world a better place, like let's just start, you know, right outside your front door and it could be the easiest thing. Hold a door open for someone, you know, uh, if you're driving, uh, if you're listening to this and driving, let that car go by in front of you, you know, let them in (laughs) like, dude, any any small act of kindness uh, you just never know that person may have been having a bad day and gosh, somebody just came and, and, and they let me into traffic, man, that feels good. You know, um, like I said, I took it far. I went with the start a nonprofit route, but it doesn't have to be like that. You know, it could just call up an old friend or something, something simple. 
I love that. We need each other at the end of the day. Small yeah. acts of kindness really matter. That's beautiful, man. Yeah. Well, it would be a great kindness unto me if you could <laughs> share some of your music and you're going to play, I think, one of my favorite songs. Yeah, yeah. So this this is a pretty meaningful song for me. We talked about the power of music. Um, the first um, group that I worked with at Travis High School, um, and I hope these guys are listening, um, they, uh, they were into a lot of cool stuff, uh, that I loved and they were into the Foo Fighters. And so, uh, we had a very talented drummer, you know who you are, that could play, uh, uh my hero on drums. So, uh, the rest of the, the guys and gals in that group, um, banded around him and, uh, it was awesome. So that's the song I want to I want to play. Amazing. Yeah. So we're going to transition here and, and adjust some of the mics and we will quick fade into that section. Okay. All right, so this is my hero. <laughs>
<laughs> Thank you, sir. Out of all the time we've worked together, I don't know that I've ever actually gotten to see you like fully un unleash your voice before, man. That was amazing. Oh, thank you. That was so good. Yeah, That's it's it's uh it, it it's it's one of those uh, skills that I picked up along the way. Yeah. So I have some questions now. Okay. <laughs> so like the upper register of that, right? There goes, and then you really like the you kind of get some glottal fry you get some vocal fry yeah yeah um that's really hard to do that's like a edge in my singing that i haven't quite been yeah. able to to reach out have you always been able to do that or did you have to practice that practice yeah 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 yeah, yeah. i mean i have um you know uh, my favorite singers could do that um Dave Grohl can do that. It Chris takes the energy to a completely different yeah. level that you can't access if you're just kind of like. Yeah, yeah. So it, it really is. It really is uh, digging deep, you know, deep down here. Yeah. Where is it coming from, really? Like, where, and where, <laughs> where is it coming from before? And then where does it come from when you get to that part? That's kind of. Yeah, funny. yeah. I mean, I think we our tendency is to do it right here at right. the throat, and right. and sitting down, you you do that a little bit. Standing up kind of gives you more of a, of a power position mm. to pull down from your gut, you know, and you want to like pull that out and you kind of want to put that voice in your and the top of your head mm. and, and, and visualize it going up there and then coming out and, and just realize that when you talk, it, it's here and it's here. Um, but when you sing, you kind of want to pull your whole body up and, and visualize it kind of coming out of your head like a water hose, you know. So it's a, there's a visual part of it that is uh, like super helpful. Wow. Yeah. That, that makes it makes a lot of intuitive sense. Yeah. But still in the moment, it's really hard to not strain the vocal cords. Yeah. And that takes practice. Um, so I would I have. Um, what I do is I practice kind of like a full-on scream. Like, <laughs> like, oh, mom, why didn't I get to go to the movies with my friends? Bah! Full-on emotional scream. Feel that, what it, sit with that. And then do the opposite. Try to sing the loudest, cleanest note that you can. You know, like right in your range and then try to merge the two. Wow. And then just kind of like fluctuate. If the songs, if you want to be more growly, you're more in the like, hey mom, right. it's not fair. <laughs> and if you want to be more singing, it's like, oh, the choir.